We thank you that it is Christmas Eve, and we're blessed. We're not in prison. We're not in rehab. We're not in the insane asylum. We're not dead. We are alive and in the house of God by our own choice and will. And we're here, Lord, to worship you and to be taught up in your word. Speak to us this morning. Show us the word of God. Show us your heart behind what you have in store for us. May we love you and know you in a better way. I ask you, Lord, to help me teach these lessons in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Spiritual jurisprudence. Lesson two. Jurisprudence is a mouthful. Uh, That is the study of law. And we began this lesson or these series of lessons last Saturday or Sunday. And so we're going to teach for several weeks on this topic of spiritual jurisprudence. This has to do with the laws of God concerning our life in the spirit realm. We have a lot to go over here. I, I'll just jump in and read it, and we'll stop and elaborate as we need to. Spiritual jurisprudence, then, is the study of the laws of God. If jurisprudence is the study of law, spiritual jurisprudence is the study of the laws of God. And we live in a dispensation, an age of time where people don't want laws. We are dealing with the age of lawlessness, and we ha- we'll have a whole lesson on lawlessness and what that looks like. Every one of us has lawlessness working in us. We need to be able to recognize that and reject it. Lawlessness is the first commandment in the Satanic Bible, and that is why we want to steer as far away from any flavor of lawlessness as possible. Lawlessness simply says, do what you want to do. You know, even back in the 60s, it's my party and I'll cry if I want to. You know, it's a fun song. There's an element of lawlessness there. Lawlessness is not the total rejection of all law. It's your selfish and arrogance thinking, not all law applies to me, therefore I only do what I want to do. And then the hypocrisy is then you expect everybody else to obey all the laws you want them to obey, because otherwise it's not fair. So we'll deal with that in another lesson. These laws are spiritual in nature, having originated in the mind and wisdom of God, who is by self-description a spirit. So the spiritual laws of God, the laws that come forth out of God, are spirit in nature. They originate out of God, who he describes himself is a spirit. As we saw in the previous lesson, Without laws, chaos ensues. And that's why we want to study this for many other reasons. Your life falls apart without law. Your, your marriage will fall apart without law. Your mental faculties will fall apart without law. We looked at last week the laws of chemistry, biology, and science. Without them, creation falls apart. All of science is nothing but the study of the creation and the laws that govern creation. The laws of physics, thermodynamics, the laws of chemistry. You just violate laws of chemistry, you're going to get burns. You're going to get sick. You violate the laws of biology, weird stuff happens. If you don't understand the laws of these things, uh, things will really work against you. Even our governments get involved in helping to regulate the laws of biology and chemistry so you don't get polluted, so you don't drink toxins. Even your water that you drink out of the tap is regulated by laws. And what you do with your water coming off of your driveway in most cities is regulated by laws, all to admonish and uh, help in the laws of chemistry so they don't destroy your life. So we're living in an age where even the preachers, not all, but a lot, are saying you're not under the laws anymore. You're free. Well, go ahead. Drink as much iridium as you want to. Drink as much mercury as you want to. Go ahead. Handle as much uranium-238 as you want to. You're free. And you're free to die of cancer and and poop your guts out. That's how free you are. No, the laws are not binding. Laws are a safety net that keep us safe for generations to come. It is the spirit of Antichrist that's worked its way into so many pulpits, teaching God's people to sin and not feel guilty about it. That's called lawlessness. 
Civil laws hold society together. Athletic rules hold a sports event together. The laws of science explain how creation is held together. And the law of, God's holds, the law of God holds his kingdom together. Without laws, chaos, pandemonium, and destruction will ensue. And that is why we must give ourselves over to knowing the laws of the Lamb, the laws of the Bible, the laws of the Old Testament, the laws of the New Testament. This lesson is the law of God in the Old Testament. I want to debunk a lot of heresy and ignorance that's in the body of Christ right now with this lesson. We've all heard the statement, we're not under the law. We've all heard the statement, the Old Testament's done away with. By the end of this lesson, if you ever hear that again, you'll want to punch somebody in the face or really just pray for them for their total ignorance. (laughs) Old Testament. The Old Testament is different than the Old Covenant, and we need to be very clear on that. It is different than the Old Covenant. Not everything in the Old Testament is Old Covenant, but the Old Covenant is expounded upon and explained and revealed in the Old Testament. By Old Testament, we refer to the first 39 books of the Bible. The Old Testament contains and reveals God's Old Covenant with his chosen people, Israel. It reveals it. It describes the laws, the rules, the agreements that are in that covenant. By old covenant, we are referring to God's covenant with the Jews or Israelites, the descendants of Abraham. Abraham is the man with whom God initiated this covenant. All right. Abraham is the man that he made a covenant with. And then all the descendants of Abraham became the Israelites. That is contained in the Old Testament. But before Abraham, you got a lot of other books in Genesis that were not Abrahamic. And they were not Old Covenant, though they're contained in the Old Testament. Amen. You also have the book of Job. Job is way before there were ever Israelites. God had no covenant with Job. Job is simply what we would call a sultan or a Bedouin nomadic wealthy sultan who traveled. And he just happened to know God. But that was, they believe, maybe as much as a thousand years before Abraham. In the Old Testament, but not Old Covenant. So we're trying to make the distinction here. This covenant contained laws and promises. Every law, even in our society today, has a promise. Violate it, and you will be penalized. Keep it, and you will be protected and benefited. Same with sports laws. The rules of God's covenant were simple. Keep the law and obtain the promises, or break the law and forfeit the promises. This is pretty simple. Dr. Barclay said the Lord had spoken to him and said, I have a problem. I have preachers teaching my people to sin and not feel guilty about it. You have preachers today who are yielding to the spirit of Antichrist, which is the spirit of lawlessness, which is the same demon that possessed Judas. And it's teaching people to not feel guilty about sin. You don't have to teach people to sin. You just have to teach them to not feel guilty about it. And then what you do is you teach them to not feel guilty by saying, well, you don't have to obey those laws. You're under grace now. And we're going to cover all this in the coming weeks because this is a heresy that is helping to feed the great falling away where Christians are actually being taught from pulpits in the land that they can sin against God and not feel guilty about it. They can violate the law of God and then still command God's promises upon them. It does not work that way. It's like splitting the atom and then commanding it to not explode in your face. It does not work that way. So the rules of God's covenant were very simple. You keep the law, you'll obtain all the promises. But you break the law, you will forfeit all the promises. That is a nutshell statement for many, many of the verses in the, in the law of God, the Torah, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Because the Old Testament contains the Old Covenant, which consists of the law, it is often ignorantly taught that the entire Old Testament is law. The entire Old Testament is not law. 
This is a false understanding. The Old Testament contains 39 books. Not everything contained in the Old Testament is law. All right, we're trying to give you some education here. Not everything in the Old Testament is law. The 39 books of the Bible can be broken down as follows. In fact, I'll just I'll show you. It's this neat little example here. I'm going to hold up my Bible. Let me get to it here. Oh, Technically, this is all that is considered law in your Bible, right here. This little bit, and this is, it's only portions of this little bit that I'm holding up here, probably less than a quarter of an inch of my inch and a half thick Bible. This is part of Exodus, part of Leviticus, part of Numbers, part of Deuteronomy. That's all that is law in the Bible. That's it. But look at how much else is left, and yet people who want to teach lawlessness and hyper grace want to say everything before Matthew is the law and therefore you don't have to pay any attention to it. Ignorant, ignorant, ignorant. I mean, they should just wipe their chin. They're drooling. They are so ignorant. I don't even know how they qualify to stand in a pulpit, much less have a mega ministry that sells millions of dollars of heresy in books. Five books of law. That is what's known as the law known as the Pentateuch, or the five scrolls in the Greek. It's called the law, it's called the Torah, or the law of Moses, and technically none of it's in the book of Genesis. It's really only four books. And it's not even four solid books. It's part and parcel of four books. Not all of Numbers is law. There's a lot of history in the book of Numbers and a lot of the chronicles of what uh, Israel was doing in the wilderness. Not even all of Deuteronomy is law. Leviticus is almost exclusively all law, but it's for the Levitical priesthood. Technically, only portions of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy contain, quote, laws. In my Bible, it amounts to less than 196 pages out of 1,145, or 13% of the total Bible, or 16% of the Old Testament. So anytime you start getting around folks, they will say, well, that's Old Testament. We're free from that. Ignorant statement. God is Old Testament. You're not free from God. Worship is Old Testament. You're not free from worship. Holiness is Old Testament. You're not free from worship. Don't commit murder is Old Testament. You're not free to do that. How about don't have sex with dogs? That's Old Testament. You're not free to have sex with dogs. Amen. There's an Old Testament commandment that says men should not wear women's clothing. I like that one. Something wrong when men dress up like women. (laughs) We're not free from that one either. Now, of course, we might be able to split lines. There's a lot of unisex clothing now, but we very much know what is women's and what's men's. And we'll get into some of the hearts behind these lessons here in a minute. Twelve books of history. That's Joshua through Esther. Five books of poetry and wisdom. That's Job through Song of Solomon. In fact, even most of the Psalms are just worship lyrics. Are we free from worship? Do we throw away the Psalms? Five major prophets, Isaiah through Daniel. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, those guys prophesied about Jesus Christ coming and they prophesied about stuff that hasn't even happened yet. Do we just flush all that down the toilet? No. If we're free from the law, we shouldn't celebrate Christmas because Isaiah 9 says, unto us a son shall be given and he shall be called wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father. If if we're free from that, put your Christmas tree away. Take all your Christmas presents back. Twelve minor prophets, Hosea through Malachi. And then for a deeper study on the books of the Old Testament, we have lessons on uh, podschool.org. Out of the 39 books, only four contain the law. We're going to run through a lot of this, and then we're going to slow down here. The law was given through Moses over a period of 40 years as Israel wandered in the wilderness. 
The law was initiated with the Ten Commandments written with the finger of God on tablets of stone. Now think about that. The very first laws given was in Exodus 20. So you have to get all the way to nearly the middle point of Exodus before you get any law. And the first ten laws given we know as the Ten Commandments. And they are written with the finger of God upon tablets of stone. Four commandments on one tablet, six commandments on the other. The first four commandments commanded Israel how to relate to God. The other six were the commandments how to relate to people. Of the Ten Commandments, nine of them are directly repeated and taught in the New Testament. The only one that is not directly repeated, quoted, or taught in the New Testament is the Fourth Commandment, which is remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. But we have permissions and principles that teach us to honor God either one day of the week or every day of the week. It just doesn't have to be on a Saturday. Even John said in the Revelation, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday, the day of the resurrection. So we have nine of the Ten Commandments that are still commanded today because you can't murder, you can't lie, you can't commit adultery, you can't make idols, you have to honor and worship the Lord your God and no other God. And yet these commandments are written with the finger of God on the tablets of stone. First Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments expanded to 613 commandments or laws collectively called the mitzvah. This is how the Jews collected the mitzvah. That's when someone says the mitzvah or the mitzvah, which is the plural in the Hebrew, the 613 laws of the Old Testament. There's only 613 commandments in the entire Old Testament, and they are found in four books. That's it. One of the neat things you'll find, we're going to look at it as we go along this morning, the 603 commandments that are on top of the 10 commandments, all they are, are, is elucidation or extrapolation or further exposition of the Ten Commandments. You got Ten Commandments and then 600 other, 603 other commands that further elaborate what God meant when he said don't kill. What does that qualify as? Don't commit adultery. What does that qualify as? Don't lie. What does that qualify as? Because you have a whole bunch of commandments about vows. If you break your vow, you're a liar. You have lied. You've perjured yourself. So Ten Commandments... And then the elaboration of them in 603 other commandments. These 613 laws can be described as a general elaboration of the Ten Commandments. The mitzvah can be broken down into 248 do's and 365 do nots. I don't think there's anything significant to 365 don'ts and 365 days of the year because it doesn't take into effect our leap years. <laughs> So here's where we need to slow down for a second. The modern Christian zealot will say, well, you don't need to worry about the laws. They'll make you legalistic. We're free from the law. We're not called to, to be under any laws. Okay, so then why study your Bible? You study your Bible because the Bible commands study to show yourself approved. So you're keeping a command in the New Testament. Why do you go to church? Because the Bible commands in the New Testament, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. So you're obeying a command in the New Testament. There's no way to escape laws anywhere. Even if you're a hermit living on an island in the South Pacific, you're still obeying laws. You're obeying the laws of your body's creation. You're obeying the laws of physics. You're obeying the laws of chemistry. You're obeying the laws of the tide. And if somebody else comes to the island, you have to set up laws as far as property, what do you share? What don't you share? It is a total, ignorant, antichrist, demonic statement that says we are free from laws. 
the ignorance of it is like saying there's no such thing as the sun or there's no such thing as God. That's how ignorant that statement is. God made very clear his purpose for giving his law to his people. So why did he give his law? We know laws produce problems, but really the laws aren't the problem. It's the people in their handling of the law that is the problem. God did not give his law to Israel to make them legalistic. That was never the purpose. Laws don't make people legalistic. People make people legalistic. Like they say, guns don't kill people. Murderers kill people. Sometimes they use guns. Apparently Muslims like using trucks now. And they say, well, if guns kill people, do pencils make typos? And do spoons make people fat? No, it's how you use it or handle it that ruins it or makes the problem. It's a reflection of the heart. The law is nothing but an instrument. A pencil is nothing but an instrument. A spoon is nothing but an instrument. A gun is nothing but an instrument that then is reflected in how the person handling it holds it. He gave Israel his law to set them apart and to make them a light to the nations. Consider what the law reveals about the law. God is so wonderful. He explains very clearly why I give you the law. Exodus 19, 5 and 6. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, when he says covenant, it means all my laws, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He didn't say, if you'll keep my commandments, you'll become legalistic and dead. He said, if you'll keep my commandments, I will exalt you, I'll promote you, you'll be special to me. This is the first instance where the Lord reveals why he's giving the law. Deuteronomy 4.1. Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you for to do them, that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers gives you. Here's another revelation. Why did God give the law? So people would live. When I was uh, first out of college and I worked in geotechnical engineering, we used a nuclear density gauge to do soil and compaction testing, and I had to go through radiation training so that I could know how to handle radiation and what to be freaked out about and what not to be freaked out about and how much of a dosage I would get from the two point sources of radiation in the gauge, which I think was americium and cesium, and uh, I had to wear a dosimeter badge. I learned the laws so that I could live and make a paycheck and know that if I got pulled over, my truck had radiation tags all over it so the police would be freaked out and I'd have to be able to explain to them, it's not a nuke, it's it really, you could take this thing home, put it in front of your baby's crib, and he would be okay for a couple of days. It's not that radioactive. The law comes so we can live. Very clearly there. I give you the law, hearken unto my statutes that you may live and go in and possess. So the laws are given so you can do and accomplish things. Deuteronomy 26, we might even also add inherit promises that he's given. Deuteronomy 26, 17 through 19. You have today declared the Lord to be your God, and that you would walk in his ways and keep his statutes, his commandments, and his ordinances. Look at all that. His ways, his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, and listen to his voice. This does not describe modern Christians at all. Modern Christians do good to show up once a month on Sunday morning. They don't want to listen to God's voice, but they expect God better full well listen to my voice and bless me. 
And then they wonder why God doesn't show up or move for them. They don't realize they're violating laws of the spirit realm, laws of creation, laws of God. It's like hitting two hammers together, wondering why you're not making a flamethrower. This does not obey any law except friction and motion. I remember when I was a kid uh, growing up in the 70s and 80s, we had those cap guns. Little, you know, Lone Ranger. Lone Ranger was really big when I was a kid because Disney had just released their first Lone Ranger movies like 80, 81. Horrible by today's standards. So I had these Lone Ranger cap guns and you got the little red cap paper, right? And you unrolled it and you put it in the thing and you fed it through and every time you, pow, it would slam and hit the little piece of gunpowder. That obeys the laws of motion and physics and chemistry. There's a lot of little science going on in a little cap gun. Well, I don't understand any of those laws, but I ran out of caps. So what I did is I took strips of paper, colored them red, and made black dots on them, <laughs> hoping, well, mom hasn't go to the store and I can't get them. I need caps. It didn't work. That's the mental retardation of modern Christians. I don't get it. It's not working. My life's not going bang because you don't know the law of God and if it did you wouldn't want to obey it that's a simple solution for us oh honey those are 20 cents let me go buy you a hundred of them but when you want to make shortcuts it's usually because you don't know the laws and when you cut the law out you don't ever get anything but just disappointment he said you're going to keep his statutes his ways his commandments his ordinances and listen to his voice which is anything else he hasn't written down that's what they said they would do. The Lord has today declared you to be his people, a treasured possession. Here again, you do the law of God, he claims you as his own. And he calls you treasured. As he promised you, and that you should keep all his commandments, and that he will set you high above all nations. Notice promotion comes when you keep the laws of God. Promotion comes when you keep the laws on your job. Promotion comes when you keep the laws of the classroom. Promotion comes when you keep the laws of the military. Breaking laws does not bring promotion. It brings demotion. And he will set you high above all nations which he has made for, for praise, fame, and honor. You keep the commandments of God. He promotes you with fame, praise, and honor. People want to be like you. People know you. One of the things we pray in my household is we, we, we remind the Lord, Lord, we serve you. We do everything we know to do. We tithe, we give offerings, we make no excuses. Everything you've asked us to do, Lord, we've done. And therefore, Lord, I know your promises are promises for promotion. May the hand of God and the blessing of God be so seen upon my family, my wife and my three children, that everybody else says, what is the difference between them and us? And then, Lord, let them come and ask me that I might lead them to you. You're supposed to be so exalted, so promoted, so favored, not because you're special, but because you obey God. And there should be a tremendous distinction between you as a Christian and a pagan. The problem we face today is that you can't tell the difference between Christians and pagans because Christians live like pagans. They fornicate, they smoke crack, they sin, they watch pornography, they skip church, they rob the tithe, they don't forgive, they don't sing, they don't worship, they don't read their Bible. They barely show up to a donut seeker church and then wonder why nobody asks them or believes that they're actually a Christian. Just because you have your church's sticker on the back of your church doesn't mean you're going to heaven or on the back of your car. What we need are Christians that obey the laws of God so that God has a reason to promote them. 
We don't see enough Christians being promoted, but that would almost reveal that too many Christians don't secretly do the Word of God. They'll do the Word of God publicly around other Christians where it can be cool, but they won't do the Word of God in private or in public or on the job. He said here, if you keep my commandments, I will set you high above all nations which I have made, and I will do this for your praise, your fame, and honor, that you shall be a consecrated people of the Lord your God as he has spoken. Deuteronomy 29, and it shall come to pass if you will hearken diligently into the voice of the Lord your God to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations over the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. Now the word hearken there in the Hebrew means to hear and do. Hearken isn't just listen, it's hear and do. It's a unique word. It means every time you see hearken in the King James, it is hear and do. A lot of Christians, they come, they listen, but they don't do. So I guess we would tell you every church service you come to, hearken. Don't just listen. Listen to what we say. Listen to what the Spirit of God is emphasizing, then go home and do it. Otherwise, your life stays the same. I make the point, the Upper Cumberland has had Christianity for 200 years, and we're still poor. We're still full of meth. We're still full of inbredness. We're still full of ignorance. I mean, we're one of the poorest regions in the entire nation. And we've had the gospel way longer than Washington, Oregon, and California has. But it would almost be because religion is what we have and not Christianity. Religion hears but never does. It just gets into pride over its knowledge. This has got to change. We have got to be doers of God's word. And you can't get this attitude, well, I'm free from the laws. All we have, baby, is laws. We'll prove that here as we go on. From these four passages, we see some of the reasons God gave Israel his laws and commandments. Obeying God's law makes you a special treasure to God. We'd call that being favored. God doesn't even view all of his children the same. God favors some of you more than others. And it's totally dependent upon how much you obey him. Those of you with multiple children, you know that you favor some of your children more than others in seasons, depending upon their attitude and their willingness and their obedience. Is that right? Those of you that are school teachers, you know you favor some of your students more than others, dependent upon attitude, obedience, and willingness. God doesn't favor all of his children the same way, even if they are born again. Amen. The angel showed up to Mary and said, Blessed art thou highly favored of God. Only one woman out of a nation. How do we get the favor of God? We obey him. Rebellion is not favored. Obeying God's law makes you a kingdom of priests. These are, by the way, New Testament promises as well. Kingdom of priests means you're usable. Rebellious Christians are not usable. Rebellious is in you break the law of God and you, you refuse to do it. Obedience makes you a holy nation, which means you're a representative of God Almighty. Not every Christian who's born again does God use as a representative. We go to the jail ministry. How many of those folks are born again in there? You don't use them to represent nothing. You're about qualified to, repre- you know, to preach to the rest of you other meth addicts and you know, home invaders and robbers and rapists and murderers. Get converted in here, not just saved, really converted so when you come out, you don't repeat this cycle. But you're not going to use them to represent anything until there's a true change. True change only comes by obeying the laws of God. You possess the land promise, or excuse me, alive. So obeying God's laws, the fourth point is it keeps you alive. That means protection. 
Why do some Christians die early prematurely? They violate laws somewhere. Let me, let me take a side note. This may offend some of you. I don't mean to be offensive. There's that famous missionary story, Tip of the Spears, what the name of the movie was about Elliot, Jim Elliot. Jim Elliot was a pilot and a missionary in his 20s back in the 60s, and they were reaching the Indian people of the Amazon or somewhere in Central or South America. I don't know all the details. I just know the general story. And so he is famous for being martyred as a 20-year-old, being run through with a spear. And then his wife, the young widow, comes and evangelizes the tribe and ends up winning them. That's wonderful. That's preached. That's made a lot of money. The problem is he was in rebellion and disobeyed his leaders back at base. They told him, do not go out there. Do not land that aircraft. Do not go to those people. They disobeyed. I don't consider him a martyr. I consider him a rebel because he violated Scripture to go do that. The Bible says, submit to those that have the rule over you. He broke the laws of God in the New Testament and it got him killed, not martyred. Martyrdom is when you have a choice. Those folks were a violent tribe. They'd have killed anybody that showed up on their beach. They didn't know the gospel was coming. No martyrdom, they say, uh, deny Christ or I shoot you in the head. Pull the trigger, I'm not denying my Christ. That's a martyr. Disobeying your pastor back at the home base and going and doing what you want to do, that is not martyrdom, that's rebellion. Why is he dead? He violated the law of God. You live when you submit to the word of God. He said, keep my word and live. That's New Testament protection. When you obey the laws of God, you possess the land promised. That means you're strengthened and you're enabled to do what God's called you to do. You become God's people. He says in Corinthians, come out from among them and I will be to you a God and you'll be to me my sons and daughters, my people. I'll receive you. He said that to New Testament Christians. Just because you're born again doesn't mean he wants to willingly claim you. He said you have to come out from among the wicked, the perverse, the dark, the dangerous, the dirty, and then he'll call you his sons and daughters. That's New Testament. A promoted nation above nations for praise, fame, and honor. Any church that will do the word of God vehemently, passionately, God will promote. Any family that will do the word of God and train their babies and their children to do the word of God, you'll see the favor and the promotion of God come upon that family for fame, for praise and honor. This means you'll be exalted. That's what 1 Peter says. Submit yourselves under the hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. A consecrated people, obeying the laws of God sets you apart. We have a lot of churches that are known for lawlessness. We have one church in town that's known as the drink and sex church because that's where all the folks that go to drink and sex and carouse. And it's a big church. They're not known as consecrated because the law, not only is it not really taught, it's definitely not enforced. As in saying, either obey the word of God or get out of my church. Now I'll teach against your sin and I'll give you a season to repent, but if you don't repent, one of the two things is gonna happen. The sin goes or you're gonna go. Because I need the hand and the blessing of God on this church to do what we're called to do. I am not here to collect people. That's Nimrod's job. I'm here to build the kingdom of God. I don't need a lot of people to do that. Amen. You're blessed with all the blessings of God, which means you are distinguished. Amen. We got to move here. God's law was given to promote and advance anyone who will obey it. Anyone who will obey it. God's law is also God's proclamation declaring, if you're going to be my people, this is how I want you to be. If we're going to call ourselves Christians, if we're going to say Jesus is my Lord, he has every right to say, well then, if you are my servant, this is what I want out of you. Just like if you say, I want to play for the 
San Diego Chargers. Do they even exist? And we're still San Diego Chargers? No. Shows you NFL, we watch them bankrupt themselves and their, their rebellion. If I'm going to play for the Tennessee Titans, I'm going to play by their rules. If I'm going to work for Cummins Filtration, I'm going to work according to their rules. If I'm going to be a professor at Tennessee Tech, I'm going to prof according to their rules. God's laws are his way of saying, you, so you want to be my people, then this is how you're going to be. And there'll be no other way. What we're dealing with today is this individualism of Americans' culture of saying, well, I can be a Christian on my terms and conditions. No, you can't. God is unchanging. Our culture constantly shifts. God's word is forever written in heaven with the finger of God. This is how he wants us to be. It doesn't matter what the culture looks like. It doesn't matter how much the culture evolves. The word of God doesn't change. We change to match up with the word of God. It is God's way of declaring, if you're going to be my people, this is how I want you to be. If I'm a boss, and I am, we've got employees here. If you're going to work for me, this is how I want it done. It's my, it's my house. It's my rules. To my children, if you're going to live in this house, this is how you're going to be. If you don't want to be, get out. Become a prodigal. Starve to death. Eat pig food until you're ready to live by my rules. And break down to the mitzvah. The 613 laws of the old covenant can be broken down into three categories. The moral laws the judicial or polity laws, that means policy of governing, and the ceremonial laws. The moral laws taught Israel the holy and moral nature of God. For example, don't lie, don't kill, don't steal, don't prostitute your daughter. Do you know you still can't prostitute your daughter? You're not free from that law, no matter what the heretics of hyper grace say. They don't prostitute their daughters, the bag of hypocrites. Those guys teach that you don't have to repent anymore. And I've always wondered if I could have a conversation with one of those heretics, if I could say, if your wife has an adulterous affair, does she owe you an apology? Because if you don't owe one to God, she doesn't owe one to you, and you still have to receive her and be good to her. And if your grace doctrine doesn't work on your family, it's not sound, it's heresy. Don't have sex with a dog. They are a guide to right living and morality, for they are what God declares as moral and right the moral laws of the Old Testament. These laws are a reflection of God's nature, and because his nature is unchanging, these laws are still applicable today. We have not been delivered from the moral law. The judicial polity laws, these laws include the precepts given to Israel for the governing of its nation as a civil state. Many of these commandments contain principles adopted by most nations today, including the United States of America. Uh, as for example, the death penalty, the Old Testament laws include how to appoint judges and officers of the court. That's where we get that from. Pretty cool. Numerous court and legal laws. The Old Testament contains numerous laws on property rights and corruption laws. It is commonly held that these laws are not binding or enforceable to the New Testament state on the basis that they involve polity and governments and not necessarily the kingdom. So that's kind of a fuzzy gray area about how many of those laws do we bring into the church? Some of these are just contained by don't defraud your neighbor and you won't have to have property rights because if it's yours, it's not mine. That would, that would be an extension of thou shalt not steal. Then there's the ceremonial laws. These include the numerous sacrifices and ceremonial rites that served as types and shadows pointing to the coming Messiah. The New Testament confirms that the ceremonial aspects of the law were fulfilled in Christ. And we need to make a major distinction here. The ceremonial law was fulfilled, not annulled or abolished. 
the word, the laws of God, the ceremonial rites have not been abolished. They were fulfilled in Christ. There's a big difference there. Abolished is a very strong word. Now, there's one instance where the King James uses the word abolished, but that's a 500-year-old usage of abolish. It's not modern usage. The, the Greek says to fade away or to be completed. Abolished means we just do away with it. The, the Bible says not one of these words shall pass away till all be fulfilled. Abolished to us, it sounds like you strike it and you say, well, we changed that. Fulfillment means it accomplished God's will. There's a lot greater reverence and understanding of the, com- the completion of God when something is fulfilled as opposed to we were dead wrong about that law. We abolish it now. The mitzvah can be broken down into 17 thematic categories. The number of laws for each theme is shown in parentheses. Laws carried over to the New Testament are shown outside of these parentheses. We have got to move quickly. Laws of God, 10 out of 10. These are laws that tell you how to worship God or who God is and how, what you're to do with him, to honor him. The Torah, this is how we're to treat the scriptures. Five out of those six are carried over to the New Testament. Signs and symbols, that talks about the Sabbath and how to do certain things, when to circumcise a boy. That's signs and symbols. None of those carry over. Prayer and blessing, three out of four carry over to the New Testament. Love and brotherhood, that shouldn't surprise us. 13 out of the 14 carry over to the New Testament. You know, the whole love your neighbor as yourself, that is Leviticus chapter 19. It isn't Jesus Christ saying it for the first time. He's quoting the most legalistic chapter in the entire Bible, which is Leviticus chapter 19. 34 verses, 31 or 32 laws given in that one chapter. And of those 31 laws, 29 of them are in the New Testament. You can't escape this thing. The poor and unfortunate, three out of the 13 carry over. Treatment of Gentiles, four out of the six. Marriage, divorce, and families, six out of the 23. A lot of that has to do with some unique usages for slaves and covenants. Some of these laws on marriage are such that if you marry a woman and you're not able to give her children, then your brother has to come along and marry her after you die and give her children. Those laws don't carry over to today. Forbidden sexual relations. Imagine 24 out of 25 don't carry over. Or do carry over. Only one does not. Times and seasons. We don't worship times and seasons. Those were types and shadows. Dietary laws. Those were given actually to keep them healthy. You could actually do yourself some pretty good by studying some of those dietary laws and laying off some of the things that aren't necessarily healthy. Business practices, four out of the 14. Laws on employees, servants, and slaves, four out of the 19. Vows, oaths, and swearing, those are all extensions of thou shalt not lie. Five out of the seven carryovers to the sabbatical and jubilee years. None, because again, we don't worship times and seasons or honor them. Uh, They've been fulfilled. The court and judicial procedure, 10 out of the 36 are brought over to the New Testament. Injuries and damages, zero out of four. Property and property rights, eight out of 11. You've got criminal laws, seven out of seven. Punishment and restitution, eight out of 24. Prophecy, there's laws on prophecy. The one that we don't carry over is if it doesn't come to pass, we kill you. That's called grace. Under the New Testament, if you prophesy and it fails, we just say, bless their heart, they're still learning. Under the Old Testament, we all took up a stone and killed you. The other two laws carry over. Idolatry, idolaters and idolaters practice 36 of the 46 don't carry over. Agriculture, animal husbandry, those are all about principles of consecration. Clothing, none carry over. The firstborn, none carry over. The Kohanim and the Levites, which is the priesthood, nine out of the 30 carry over. Heave offerings, tithes, and taxes. They had tax law back under the Mosaic law. 
we still have tax law. Five out of 24, temple, sanctuary, sacred objects, 22 out of 33. I don't get it. We're still supposed to honor the house of God and the holy sacred elements. We don't use the things of God for sinful purposes. It's to teach us consecration. Sacrifices and offerings, that's your biggest portion of the law. 102 laws on how to sacrifice an offering. That's an exposition of the first four commandments. This is how you're going to worship me. This is what I accept as an offering. This is what I don't accept as an offering. 102, only 17 carry over. Ritual purity and impurity, zero out of 16. A lot of those would have been menstrual cycle rites, what to do, how to stay clean, what to do after a baby is born. All of that was done to teach the sacredness of the blood So they would have a reverence for the blood of Christ that was going to be shed. Now that his blood has been shed, we understand blood is part of our biological creation. And if a woman menstruates, it's part of her life cycle. The afterbirth and all the things with babies, that's part of the life cycle. We don't have to have the reverence that he was trying to teach them thousands of years ago for the blood that was coming. Though we could probably still do well to understand how sacred the blood of Jesus Christ is and not diminish it. Lepers and leprosy. Uh, That was all, uh, uh, only zero out of four bring over the king. We still honor kings and presidents, four out of the seven. Nazarites, that's a special vow of consecration, zero out of ten. And wars, they had laws on how you make wars. We still do today. It's called the Geneva Convention. Apparently, you, you can't, like, kill people in cruel ways. You just nuke them. Well, it gets into politics. Avoiding legalism. Let's move quickly. Legalism is the exaltation and or strict adherence to laws while failing to discover and understand the heart of those laws. When you fail to understand the heart behind any law, even the classroom's law, even the the sanctuary law that we have here, you know, we don't do this, we don't do that. It's like seven years ago, we established no chewing gum in the sanctuary. Some of you have chewing gum this morning. I really don't care. Well, seven years ago, the carpet was brand new, and we actually had a guest come, and gum fell out of her mouth, and she just left it in the carpet. And I'm thinking, what kind of grown adult doesn't recognize when food falls out of their mouth in the house of God? And it just made me so hot. I said, new rule. Please, no gum. We just paid six or eight grand for this carpet. We don't want your lazy mouth ruining it. That's the heart behind it. You know, since then, we took the slide off. I'm watching more and more of you chew. I'd rather have you chew gum than fall asleep. So, you know, it all works out. We kind of have this understanding, law: well, don't sleep in the service. But you break that all the time, too. I know the Lord said he will give you rest. I don't think he meant in the house of God. He gives his beloved sweet sleep. Not while I'm preaching. He shouldn't be. It's because you were up too late doing something carnal, probably. Amen. In order for Christians to avoid becoming legalistic, they must ask, what is the heart and purpose of God behind this law? To that end... God explains the purpose behind two of his laws while delivering those exact laws. So it's a really cool example here. Deuteronomy chapter 14, 1 and 2. You are the children of the Lord your God. We could insert, therefore, you shall not cut yourselves nor make any baldness between your eyes for the dead. Why, Lord? That's kind of weird. For you are holy. And you're a holy people unto the Lord thy God. And the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all nations that are upon the earth. He gives two what are called, the classified as laws for idolatry and the idolatrous. And then he explains why. He says, don't do this because you're holy. These were pagan practices of the day in the land of Canaan. Cutting yourself, 
You go to Africa today, they still, they'll cut their cheeks, they'll cut their arms, scarification for ritualistic worship or beautification. He didn't want his people being anything like those people he was about to wipe out. He didn't want there to be any confusion between who was an Israelite and who was not. The no cutting of the baldness between your eyes. Now, for some of you, that would be bad because you'd look like Bert and Ernie. You'd have the monobrow. I'm talking about you ladies. Some of you ladies would look like a Muppet. Why are you laughing, Junior? Ah, it's funny. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> but what was the purpose behind it? There was something going on there that the Canaanites did as a sign that they worshiped demons. So he makes a law. Don't do this. Here are two new laws under the category of idolatry and idolatrous practices are coupled together with two explanations as to why God was giving them the commandment. Why can't I cut myself or make a baldness between my eyes? Number one, you're the children of God and those folks aren't. Number two, you're a holy people. This was something he was going to use in that cultural setting to set them apart. Why were these two seemingly legalistic laws delivered to Israel? Because God wanted his children to stand out from the pagans around them. Same thing goes on today. In this time and cultural setting, both of these forbidden behaviors were associated with worship, with the worship of the dead. He even says that. Do not cut yourselves nor make any baldness between your eyes for the dead. Some kind of ritualistic pagan practice in worshiping the dead. Why? Because sin is stupid. Idolatry is weird and makes no sense at all. Legalism would miss the heart of these commands and probably forbid any form of surgery because that requires cutting and no eyebrow waxing, which means some of you ladies would look like a Muppet, neither of which are a problem with God. And we understand that because we know the heart of God. He doesn't care if you wax your eyebrows. Now, I do wonder why women totally wax their eyebrows off and then draw new ones on. I don't get that because then what if you draw on this, this expressive, uh, this facial expression of excitement, but you're having a really bad day and all of, everywhere you go, everybody thinks you're excited, but you're like, no, I'm having a bad day. But your eyebrows are like, I'm excited. <laughs> oh, well, let me and wipe them off and let me draw sad eyebrows on. Whatever you ladies want to do to look pretty, I don't care. <laughs> but if you miss the heart, you'll become legalistic. And you won't have surgery. And there's nothing wrong with having surgery if you need to have surgery. Whatever it takes to live and keep on marching for Jesus. Let them cut it out. Let them cut it open. Let them sew it up. Just move on for God. Legalism fails to find or understand the heart behind the law. All right. The mitzvah in the New Testament, approximately 231 of the 613 Old Testament commandments are found in the New Testament along with the principles of many more. Over a third of the mitzvah are in the New Testament. So we cannot say we're delivered from it because a third of it is still on us being quoted, being recited, being taught in the New Testament doctrines and the principles of many, many more that we can't directly quote. This should not surprise us since the law of God is how the unchanging God revealed himself to Old Testament believers. Of the Ten Commandments, only the Fourth Commandment is not directly quoted or observed in the New Testament though the principle of honoring God on a special day is clearly taught. May God help us in our study of his law that we might be holy and set apart to him. Amen. Next lesson is going to be the law of God in the New Testament, and we'll start off by reminding you that there's 1,050 New Testament commandments, which is 30% more than the Old Testament. So we rejoice and say, yay, the New Testament, 30% more legalistic. 
because God wants us to do better. So hopefully you've learned something. That's a lot to cover. I've gone five minutes over. Study it. I've got typos in here because we just finished writing this last night. Hasn't been edited yet, but I don't know. There's a lot to cover here. Father, we thank you for this Sunday school. Bless all these folks that are here. May we understand the laws of God are given to promote us. The laws of God are given to protect us. The laws of God are given to exalt us. The laws of God are given that we might be a peculiar, precious treasure to you. Help us to recognize lawlessness in our life, and may it be far from us. Bless all those that listen to these lessons in the future. In Jesus' name, amen.